Welcome, listeners, to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and we have a special guest with us today, and one that you have to catch up to because she is often gone for hundreds of miles at times. We have Katra Corbett, who is known as the Dirt Diva. Thanks for joining. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's we were talking before about it's it's an honor because of my enjoyment with ultra running and a lot of what I've done with with some of the groups I've been a part of and everything that you've done with ultra running. This is this is like me being a fan having you, <laughs> on, you. on the show. But then to also talk about addiction and other issues, which is also what I do professionally. So it, it's such an amazing thing to kind of bring those pieces together. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of people that do what I do, I mean, we come from similar backgrounds, a, a lot of ultra runners, you know, that's it's probably what attracts us to doing really hard things like this, you know, because we going through, you know, any kind of addiction, it's like, you got to pick up something new to, to get that enjoyment and to kind of get that high, I guess. And, you know, do something that's better for you. And, you know, of course it's good for you, but, you know, doing a more positive thing. Yeah. <laughs> and your, your book reborn on the run, my journey from addiction to ultra marathons. And I have to say, it's a book that covers really a wide range of topics and issues like from the cover it looks like here's a a runner who has this addiction history but your book isn't just about the addiction you talk about issues like with eating with like losses relationships uh did you think when you wrote this that you were going to get into all of those issues and not just addiction well originally no (laughs) I thought I would write more about like my adventures and how I I got sober, clean and sober. And, but then it's like, you got to go to the root of why, you know, why the addiction came and why the issues I had. And it's like, you know, as I started working on it, I was like, yeah, you got to go back to like where you started, you know, where, you know, as a child and then work your way up and you could, you know, it was kind of therapeutic for me too. And, just being able to go back and, and look at things differently too, even though I've been in therapy and I've gone through AA and and all of that and drug therapy outpatient program, but it's, you know, it, it goes, you, you got to go to the root of the problem. Like what, what made you get to where you were doing that? And what I always like to say too, had I not gone through all of that and gone through, you know, having to recover from, addiction and all of that, I wouldn't be where I am today. I, I would never probably be an ultra runner. You know, it's like, who, who knows what I'd be doing? You know, (laughs) I might be this conservative person. (laughs) (laughs) I had a, I had a guest on a couple episodes ago who described addiction as, uh, the, the gift that's in shitty wrapping paper. Oh, I love that. That's, yeah, that's perfect. No, seriously, that is so perfect. It really is. Cause you, you see why you had to get to where you become, you know, it's like, I, I wouldn't have had to have all these challenges. And now like doing these 200 mile races, it's like, I would have never, I hated running. So it's like, you know, that would have never been part of me and just learning through recovery on how to handle situations and how to stay clean and sober kind of helps you when you're running these hundred and 200 mile races, because you're digging deep and you're, you know, you, you got to focus, you got to, you know, 
get through things and, you know, you're, you gotta be mentally tough to be able to stay, you know, clean and sober. I mean, for 27 years now, I've been clean and sober and it's, people are like, oh, it's so easy. And then I go, well, not really. It's like, I think <laughs> about things and I know I don't want to be that person I was before. I definitely know, you know, it's like, I'm a better person for sure. I was mean. I was really mean, not a nice person, <laughs> not a positive person. You know, it was like a lot of negativity. So, you know, I, I know I don't want to go back there, but I have to remind myself like, you know, to keep looking forward to not go back. And it's like, it does get easier as the years progress because it's, you know, I always look at it. People are like, how did you stay, maintain your sobriety for so long? And I go, well, you know, I became vegan at the same time I got clean and sober. I was always a vegetarian since I was a little kid. And then I got, I became, I decided, well, I'm going to completely become vegan too. you know, I want to get very healthy, like no drugs, no alcohol, no coffee. I wasn't even doing coffee, <laughs> which I love coffee now. <laughs> But I just went from one extreme to the other. And I think about like, I would never eat meat again, you know, because I love animals and, you know, and I don't ever tell people how they should eat. It's like, we all have our own ways, but I just would never do that. So I'm not going to ever want to do drugs again. I mean, I've never had any desire just because I know how horrible, you know, it made me feel and how, you know, living that kind of life and, and losing my sister to heroin overdose, you know, she, went through most of her life in an addict, you know, just because she was bipolar and back in the day, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't diagnose kids with stuff. And, you know, she yeah. had a lot of, a lot of mental illness. Um, and so she even would tell me, I don't know how you can be sober and I can't get there. You know, she, my mom put her in many recovery. Yeah. My sister, you know, she would ask me how, how are you able to maintain this sobriety? And I said, you got to find a passion. You have to find something you're passionate about, you know, and, and just, it doesn't have to be running, you know, it could be just, you know, working out in a gym or it could be golfing. It could be whatever, you know, but that's the key to, I think, successful recovery is finding something you're passionate about. And that, and that was something that stood out to me with your story as well as you highlight a lot about your relationships with like your, your sister, your mom, your, your dad, like that was talked about quite a lot throughout the book what was it like to as you said before go back and and dig into that and share so much about those important relationships it was you know i enjoyed looking back because my father's been passed away gosh since i was 17 so a very long time and it was just great reliving those memories of him you know because i didn't have him you know for i only had him for 17 years of my life so I've gone, you know, over half my life without having him, but it was, I enjoyed bringing that back up. Um, losing my mom was really, really hard, but you know, I, I always try to maintain a positive spin on things. Like she's with my dad, she's with her husband, you know, who she dearly loved, who he died at such a young age, you know, 48 years old. So, you know, it's like, she's with him now. So it makes me happy that they're together again. Yeah. And that's, and I, I always think that there's, a, you know, when we talk with people with addiction history and, and some other stuff, like there's, there's often like some losses involved and in, in losses that they've experienced. And I, I've found it where with, you know, like a traditional, like substance use treatment, they don't really like address those things right away, like grief and loss. Like they, they try and focus yeah. so much on like, 
relapse prevention and like disconnecting from old peers. Like let's teach them coping skills. Let's do this. But I found like areas like grief and loss, like often get sort of like pushed aside or, or it's not important right now, but I, I think it's huge to no, address. It is really huge. Cause if you think about, you know, Luckily, I was already sober when my mom passed away, but that could have been an easy trigger for me to go back out, you know, had I not had running and how he had been sober for quite a while. I mean, it's things like that that trigger people and then they go out because they want to numb their their pain, you know, but I right away, you know, got help and talked about it. Because for me, it's like talking about it is the most important thing. And that way you can talk through it and you're not going to have that issue or that want or that desire to go back out there to use or drink, you know? Yeah. So, and you talk about the, the addiction, you know, the losses and all that. And then also, how did you start doing some runs with, with barely eating? (laughs) Well, that sounded, that that sounded (laughs) so insane when I think about like miles running that I've done to not be eating or not having any food beforehand sounds, I don't know how that worked. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm lucky I didn't have a heart attack or anything like that, but it got pretty scary. I mean, you just, you, you, you know, you just do, I don't think I could do it like that. Now I couldn't run 200 miles like that, you know, although you can't, you don't get hungry in the, in the two hundreds towards the end and you, you live off of whatever your body's been eating throughout the day. <laughs> but yeah, just, it was just, you know, you just do, you're in an, another, a whole nother, you know, addiction, you know, with not eating and, you know, like eating disorder and all of that. So you're, you're just like, your mind is somewhere else, but it's not safe, obviously, you know, people, you can't sustain that for very long. And I learned early on and got help and, you know, so yeah, it's not, not healthy. (laughs) I think it's another area that just gets not addressed. Like if you have someone who has addiction and they have an eating disorder, like addiction is always going to take like the spotlight of this needs to get addressed right away. But there are so many people that I've worked with and in, in books that I read of people that addiction is usually what is identified as the, the main issue, the big problem. But I've seen, I've seen eating disorders pop up a lot too. Well, I've, you know, I've always had issues with that when growing up. So, you know, doing the methamphetamines, you got really skinny. And the minute you, you know, get off of the drugs and you get sober, then you gain weight. You're at a healthy weight, but you know, and that's when things spiral. And that's what happened with me. It was just like, I gained weight. And then I was like, well, I got to have control of something. I'm not going to eat, you know, I'm going to control this. And so, yeah, that you're right. It does spiral. And it's like, I was using the drugs to keep myself thin too. So it was feeding the eating disorder back then. Yeah. And I was, I'm reading a book right now that's called addicted to perfect. And it's a story of, um, with someone who was a, using Adderall and, and part of it too, though, was that she identifies having an eating disorder. So the addiction to the Adderall kind of like stands out, but yep. really like the eating disorder is like a, a big part of that, that has to be addressed too. Exactly. Yeah. And Cause you could, the, yeah, it's you're, she's using the drugs or anybody's using the drugs to be able to maintain, you know, and the minute you get that taken away, then you got to still try to figure out a way to control. (laughs) So how did you 
how did you work through both of those? Um, was it simultaneously? Well, just, was it no, no, because I was already sober for a few years when I was still into the eating disorder. I ended up getting help and I had a really good therapist and she kind of was seeing seeing what was going on, even though, you know, it was like I wasn't admitting it and going to the doctors. My doctor's like, are you sure you don't have an eating disorder? Like my doctor started addressing it because um, I wasn't having periods and all that. And then when I was, you know, getting into running to run a longer distance, the guy was like, you need to gain weight. You're not going to be able to do a hundred miles. <laughs> so that kind of stuck with me. And then I just, you know, started opening up more with my therapist and then we started addressing it and, you know, she helped me get on track and, you know, get away from like looking at food as an unhealthy thing and eating, you know, for fuel, for what I'm doing for my racing, you know, it's like, you want to do this for a long time, you need to eat good, eat healthy and eat for fuel. You know, you're, you're wanting to run these distances and work out. It's like, you're just going to cause yourself, you know, to waste away and have a heart attack basically. And I was scared back then because my father had died at 48 and I was thinking, yeah, I could be damaging my heart. It's a muscle. And that's what, you know, people with eating disorders end up doing. You damage yourself, you know? And it's like, once you get to that point, it's like, you know, there's no coming back when you're damaging your heart. It's like, ugh, and I want to run forever. And I want to, I want to live for a long time. <laughs> and eating <laughs> so disorders like, can be deadly. I, I think that's oh, a, for sure. a huge misrepresentation about it is, but eating disorders can be deadly. Yeah. And cause, like I said, heart issues, you know, it's like you can end up damaging yourself and then, you know, and it's, it's sad. It's a very sad thing. And there's actually a lot of men that come to me that have read my book that have the same thing, the runners too. And they, you know, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you shared about the eating disorder because they have suffered. And it's like, you don't look at, usually that's not something stereotypical. You look at men, but there's so many guys I know personally that had eating disorders when they were younger, you know, they're adults now and they're doing these ultra marathons, but they, they've come to me and told me that they, you know, were once having, you know, eating disorders and these are guys. So it's like, we just don't hear about it as much. You know, it's like you hear more about women, but there's so many guys. That's amazing. There, especially though, athletes. That, yeah. But you've created an out, like, because of your story, you've created that way for people to even just, just telling you that is a big yep. step. I mean, I that, really, yep. I get emails all the time and I, I'm really happy that people feel they can share with me. I get a lot of emails too, from parents, you know, that their kids, you know, they'll, you know, they ask me and obviously I'm not a therapist like you, but <laughs> I go, yeah, you know, they're try. they just ask me, you know, what, what could I do? And I said, well, don't enable them. And I said, and don't give up hope, you know, try, you can, you know, try to get them in a program, especially if they're adults, there's not much you can do, you know, other than, you know, just giving them the resources or suggesting tools, but you know, my mom enabled my sister for so long, you know, and, and I know parents mean well, but it's like, sometimes you just got to say, no, I'm not, you know, you can't come here. You're on drugs. You know, you need to go get help and you got to put your foot down at some point. You can't keep enabling people, but a lot of the parents, they'll buy their kid, my book, you know, or their young adult. And they said that 
you know, I get emails from some of them that have changed because of it. And they're like, I'm running now because of you. I went into recovery because of you. So, you know, if I can help one person, which I know I'm helping more then my job is done. You know, that's what I intended it for, for my book to help people. Yeah. And your, your book, the, the great part about it was it was almost like reading two it's like two different races were going on. Like you were talking about, you know, some of the running and, and the stories, but then like the other race that was going on was you detailing, you know, your life and what was going on outside of running. And it was sort of like, it was like hopping between these races as you read it. And I'm looking at, at at one point it seemed like they combined where we're, yes, the stories were on separate tracks and all of a sudden they joined came together. Yeah. Kind of like how I talk (laughs) all over the place. (laughs) Seriously. It's like, I, I mean, I'm on one conversation and next I'm over here. It's just how I am. So, and it's funny. I always tell people when I was on speed, I actually, it maintained me where I wasn't all over the board. <laughs> I go, this is, you know, people would think I'm on drugs now. And it's like, no, that's just how I am. You know, it's that, you know, it's just how my, I am. It was like the drugs made me like not all over the place. It was like, I guess taking whatever to, make you, you know, when you're hyperactive, it's, it does the reverse. So, yeah. but yeah, that's how I wrote my story. It was like all over the place, but it came back together. And that was, a, that was a great part of it because it was oh. like following along with the two perspectives of like your, your life and in your story, but then also like with running and it was like, well, where, where are these two gonna collide, <laughs> you know, end up and where, where does someone go from, let me start running to where you are now with going days worth of running and in hundreds of miles? Well, I've, all, you know, I've, from the get go, when I started running, you know, I was sober for two years, then I started running and it's like, immediately I was like, in. Like I did my first marathon, you know, I did a 10 K then three months later, a marathon had I known there was hundred, you know, ultra marathons that were close by. And I knew of them, I would have done those right away too. And as you, in my book, it's like, I progressed really quickly. Yeah. And it's just, fast. it's just my personality. It's like the longer, the better. My favorite distance is 200 mile races. <laughs> Cause I just feel like you're, it's almost like your, um, working through things when you're out there, you're like, you know, problem solving to keep going forward, to keep moving that far. You can't think like, Oh, I'm going to run 200 miles. That's huge. Like, that's a big thing. You're like, I'm going to be out here for four days or whatever, 110 hours. You know, it's like, you have to just take it into small increments. You're like, okay, I got to be out. It's going to be 20 miles and I'm going to get to the aid station. Because in regular ultras, you, you're not going, having to go 20, 20 to 23 miles before an aid station. That's like eight hours, yeah. nine hours, you know, depends where you're at on the course and you're climbing or whatever. So you, you have to know that you're fully self-supported and you have to rely on yourself out there. You have to, you know, use your mental toughness, use your, you know, dig deep, you know, to keep moving, you know, if you're 
sore and tired, you're like, I still got to get to the aid station. So if you're, you know, it's on day two, you need to take a nap on the trail. You lay down and you take a 10 minute nap. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I love about these. You know, it's, it's just so rewarding and gratifying to be able to, you know, go that far. You don't, you know, it's like, sure. hundred miles to me was far, but then like, I'm like 200 miles, hmm. you know? <laughs> so like I said, it's, I always tell people it's much easier to run 200 than a hundred because a hundred miles you're doing it, you know, in a certain amount of time and you're actually pushing faster, you know, in a 200 mile race, of course, there's those front people that are racing. It's not, everybody's going to finish in these ridiculous fast times. Right. The majority <laughs> of us, if you think about it, it breaks down to basically around 52 to 53 miles a day. If you were to sleep every single day. And you're just looking at a 24 hour period for these 200 mile events. And that's how it's broken down. So you really are like doing two miles an hour, you know, so it's doable if you think of it that way. (laughs) I love when you mentioned part of like doing it is like the problem solving and and how to like manage all that. And it brings up a really good point, which I'm, I really want to know your thoughts on this is addiction is all about like numbing, escaping, avoiding, like running away from. And Mm -hmm. when you talk about, you know, being reborn on the run, going from addiction to ultra marathons, it's like with, with ultra running, it's like running towards something, not running away from. So even like something like pain, when some of us deal with some kind of pain in life, some emotional pain, some physical pain, some discomfort, we want to do a lot of things just to escape it, to numb it, to avoid it. We don't want to feel that. Then ultra running, we, we feel some pain or we feel some discomfort and we we don't just run away, you know, turn around after, Oh, I'm I'm a little sore now after like mile. Right. Like, so, so we find that way to like get through the pain. Like we find ways to keep going but in mm-hmm. other areas of life it's like we don't have that that mindset no you just give up and that's it or you know you go back to using or whatever in a in the middle of a race or doing something like that you have to embrace that pain and you have to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and that's what i always say it's like once you can do that because there's so many people that can run and then they do these 200 mile races and they mentally don't have it. Like there's nothing wrong with them. I'll come into an aid station. I'm like, why are you stopping? Why are you dropping? It's like, well, this is hurting. That's hurting. I'm going to do this kind of damage. I'm like, no, you're mentally messed up right now. Take a nap, take a break, eat some food and then think about it. Or if, you know, it's like not night and you're not tired, I just try to get them to go with me. Whenever I see somebody that I know that's like thinking they're going to drop and something like that, I go, let's just walk, hike to the next aid station with me, you know, go for the next five hours. And if you have an issue and you want to drop them, then drop them. But the minute you keep going on and going forward, it goes away. You know, something else is going to hurt or, you know, you're talking with somebody and you forget about, you know, that what's going on. So yeah, it's just like, just keep moving, you know, and, you know, don't give up like when you feel like giving up right then. Cause if you could just go a little bit further, it, things may change. Yeah. And you got to deal with, I, it just, it's amazing to me, the parallel between like 
ultra running and like recovery principles. Like yeah. they're, they're all things that like patience, like one step at a time. Sometimes it literally exactly. is like one really step. Is. And sometimes it's a whole mind game. Like your mind's telling you, no, you can't. And if you, if you start to agree with that and you don't find a way to, to challenge that, it, you can give up before you even your, your body hasn't given up. Your mind has. And then we look at exactly. that. We look at that with like, when you get like, when people get like cravings or people get triggered, like what you say, mm-hmm. those thoughts have an impact, but I've just found it so incredible that somehow ultra running carries some of those practices and principles that is like recovery founded. I, I agree. And, and that's why I say, if you look you know, at these races and if they did like some sort of survey, you know, at a hundred mile or 200 mile event, I guarantee you there are a lot more than people would think of that have gone through recovery or, you know, had an addiction at one time or another, because those are the people that are drawn towards that type of thing, because you can, you know how to get through it. So, you know, it's like not saying that we're all tougher, but we've been through such hard times that we can endure, you know, any, any race I've been to you it, and I don't know what it is either because I'm not out there looking for it. I try and do a really good job of keeping like my, my professionalism as a, as a counselor, yeah. but also like my, my ultra running, but anytime I've gone to races and, and been to ultras or, and stuff like that, like you come across people with addiction histories with mental health history. I was, I was doing, doing a, a 50 K and was running with a guy for a little while and we were kind of getting more towards the end of it. And he was just talking about like, you know, yeah, when we get to the end, there's going to be, um, you know, some cold water. And cause this was like a hot, humid day. He's like, yeah. there's going to be some people having some beer there. And this is what he said to me. He was like, not for me though, because, uh, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And I knew, <laughs> I knew exactly, exactly what he was saying. So a part of me with that, of my professional background, I, I almost wanted to be like, I wanted to say something about that, but I, yeah. <laughs> I just respected it that like, I, I knew what he was saying, but here, yeah. here it was me and this guy, 50 K in the trails. It's just me and him for a couple miles. And that comes out like that is yeah. something that's said. And right there, it's like, yeah, this is someone who I know is a part of this that we talk about. Yeah. And Harry, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's so many, so many people out there, you know, that, that, like I said, you, ha- the majority of people that have gone through such, you know, having to get clean and sober, you really have to, it's quite a journey and it's not easy. So you have that, you have that toughness about you, you know, having to overcome all of those, those obstacles to get where you are. And like you said, it's the same thing. It's like it, it, it goes hand in hand. It's like going through recovery and finishing an ultra marathon. It's almost like mimicking, like, you know, going, you have to endure all these things and you have to come out the other end, like stronger and putting one foot in front of the other. And you're going to get there and you're going to be able to maintain your sobriety. You're going to be able to get to that finish line. You know, obviously there's no finish line. We're just always in recovering. We're always, you know, just one day at a time, you know, like get through each day and things get easier through life, you know? And that ultra ultra mindset too is always like we we 
just, you know, we get to that finish line and shortly after it's always, which one's next? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always say, I'm never going to do this again. I've never do, you know, I've said that I'm going on my fifth year of running Moab 240 and every single year I run every, this will be the fifth anniversary and only me and one other guy are going for five years of doing every single one of the Moab 240. And every year I'm like, I am never in my crew or pacer like always like I've heard this one before (laughs) (laughs) I go I swear I'm not gonna do it like I'm already saying oh I'm just doing it one more time I'm just getting number five and then I'm not doing it again (laughs) but I'm like wait I'm already signing up for the triple crown again next year because of this year Tahoe getting canceled and all of that so (laughs) but we're Uh still doing I'm still doing uh we're having a virtual option so there's five of us Mm. who live in the Bishop area that are going to run um, our virtual Tahoe 200. And we have to do the minimum of 33,800 feet of climbing and it has to be 200.1 miles. And so we mapped out a course and we're going to start next Thursday. Nice. Yeah. And we get official credit because of the last minute cancellation of Tahoe. So the race director, Candace is going to make sure everybody gets a belt buckle. Who's actually doing it like this. And we're all going to actually get an official finish. That's great. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, but with, I was telling you earlier, the national parks being, or the uh, national forest is closed. We had a really nice route, but now we have to do this God awful 1500 foot climb, which is very short. And we're doing like seven mile loops. I have a thing looped out. So we're doing three, seven mile loops of this climb and then a five mile out and back to my house. So my house is an aid station. Then we're going to have an RV parked at a campground. <laughs> oh, how is it not? How is it not tempting to be like, oh, the the house is right here to just. <laughs> I know I've done this before. So of course, yeah. <laughs> obviously COVID, COVID last year, it was like, I did every single, I did like four 200 mile runs. I did a run across the United States. Like I was doing all these miles. So, you know, I did multiple 200 milers using my house. No, it's a sleep station, but I have yeah. like, you know, 110 hours to finish and I'm finishing cause it's a lot flatter. So I was finishing like 75 hours, 83 hours. So yeah, I just, but it was comfortable. It was nice having my house to sleep. So I got like a good, when I wanted to have a sleep break, I had a good three hour sleep break, which was comfortable. Not like when you're in the back of your car in a tent at a race. <laughs> now, when people hear about like, runs like this and races like this or they they hear they read about your story and and the things that you do ultra marathon wise do you ever have people ask you like are you addicted to running do they ask you if you just substituted you know the drugs and you just run like what how do you respond to that well i mean people say that i mean it are you, you know, you're, sounds like you're addicted to running. You do all these races. It's like, no, you know, it's like, I do these because I want to see a lot and I get to see these amazing places going to these races. I like getting out every day in nature and going out for a run. I mean, if I wasn't running, it'd be hiking. Is there a pro- I mean, is it hiking an addiction? Like if people are just walking, is that considered an addiction? So I, I just do it by running and I get there faster and I get done faster, but I'm only on this planet once I, and I want to just see so much and I want to be out there and I'm afraid like, you know, that I'm not going to, you know, going out in nature. It's like, I see these beautiful things and, you know, animals and whatever, you know, and if I'm not out there, then I'm not going to see that. 
Um, if I get injured or hurt one day, I mean, it's not like I'm going to be suicidal because I can't run. It's like one day I probably am not going to be able to run, you know, and I'll just have to start walking. You know, it's like, we have no guarantees, but for now I've been on a running streak for almost, Oh my God, going on nine years this year, 10 years, nine, nine years. There's two. Yeah. (laughs) There's two things that I think that I've seen in relation to that is I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but several people have thrown the addiction word around physical health stuff lately with like running or working out. And I think that that just gets tossed around too haphazardly without really thinking about. I I agree with you because they, it's not the same, you know, it could be, I guess, you know, like when I had my eating disorder, when I was running a lot to, you know, spiral that, but no, it's like, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, and it's, addiction. And, and if it is, I guess you could use it lightly as an addiction, but it's like tomorrow, if I couldn't run, it's not going to be the end of my world. Right. I, my whole thing is I just like being outdoors. So if I can't run tomorrow, one day I'll just walk. Yeah. You know? And people don't, <laughs> people don't say, Oh, you, you have an addiction when you're walking every day. There's people that, in my neighborhood that they walk, you know, five, 10 miles every single day. Is that a problem? <laughs> no, because they're walking. But when you have running, people kind of look at it. It's like, oh, you're changing one addiction for another. But it's, you know, if that keeps you clean and sober and it helps you to be a healthy person and not go back on drugs, then if you're doing it in a healthy, you know, mindset, then it's fine. You can do it every day if you want. And I think someone too, like, you know, people, you know, know you a lot now with, with sobriety and and what you're doing with this, but I I can imagine someone who knew you when you were using back in the day and how you were then and how you were now, they probably wouldn't say it's the same thing. No, they wouldn't. (laughs) Right. And I think that's something that with like the word positive addictions, I think part of it is you've really got to be careful because addiction, yes, we did. yeah. Yeah. We did call it, you know, a, um, you know, the gift that's in the the shitty wrapping paper, but yeah. <laughs> addiction when it is active and when it is, you know, running on all cylinders, it is very destructive. It is, is very sure. fatal. It's not something to be like, this is positive about no, that that's yeah, usually, right. den- that's usually denial talking yeah. <laughs> to begin with. But I think that's something that people with the word addiction being tossed around, sometimes too much is usually part of addiction is like using a substance or engaging in behavior that continues to cause negative consequences and continues to harm you. And yet you keep doing it. That kind of, that kind of eliminates the word positive. You're right. You're absolutely right. I will never use it like that again. (laughs) You know, it's very (laughs) true, but yeah, it's, you know, there's not, you're right. There's not a positive addiction because the word itself, you know, so you're just doing something positive. You don't have to, we don't have to use the word addiction in there, I guess. <laughs> I think that's, I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with it and, you know, hear about what you do and, and even read your story. I think it's just a very big misconception that someone would look at that as she's addicted to running and it, you know, or is someone just saying, no, it's a positive, it's a positive addiction. And it's really, this is recovery. And, exactly. you're, and you're talking about being reborn on the run mm-hmm. is 
this is this is much different than any of that addictive lifestyle that you experienced before. Yeah, I definitely I don't you know, I don't think I would have maintained my sobriety had I not found something like running. You know, I don't even think, you know, when I was walking and working out in the gym, it wasn't the same thing. It was like, you know, I could have easily fallen back into the wrong people. And once I found running, then that really, that really, really changed me and gave me something, you know, something to work towards, you know, pinning on that bib was like a huge thing, just running a 10, you know, my first 10 K and just, you feel like you're, you know, you're, um, you can do whatever you want. You're amazing. You know, when you do your first marathon, that's like a big to do. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, pinning on that number gives you a purpose, you know, gives you something and you have these people cheering you on. I mean, you really, I did anyways, my first marathon, I just felt like I was like this, you know, amazing Olympic athlete out there, you know, (laughs) doing this thing, you know, it's like, wow. And then like all my friends that didn't run, they were just like, oh my God, you read, you know, but now it's like, those people are just like, oh God, okay, what else are you going to do? You know, 500 miles. It's like, I won't even, they don't even, you know, and these are not runners and they're like, it doesn't surprise me, you know, whatever you do doesn't surprise me anymore. It's like, you know, when they hear somebody says they run a hundred miles, they're like, oh, that's not that far. Couch runs 200 miles. <laughs> I think the, funny. I think the, the running community is, is amazing too. Like go to, go Very to any, supportive. go to any race, go to any event and you got complete strangers cheering on other strangers. You got people spending their whole entire day or days um (laughs) just just waiting just waiting for someone to cross by and and they go somewhere i mean it's it's phenomenal to see you know the model that the recovery community or the running community can show as far as all that supporting one another and i think i think even when we look at recovery support and we talk about support groups and how do you build that recovery network? Like, you know, really running has it, has it made with how that's done? Like, you know, you can't do it all the time on your own. You know, you need support. No, you need support for sure. Help. You need a team behind you. You need, you know, people that you can go to that will support you. I mean, it's all like part of, you know, in recovery, you need support and in running too, you need that support, you know, to help you to get to the finish line, you know, of course we could do it by ourselves sometimes, but it's nice to have, you know, those people there for you when you're struggling and it's just like, you know, when you're in recovery, you go to therapy, you go to your meetings, you have people there for you. And just like in running your journey is, you know, with those like-minded people around you, supporting each other to cheer each other on to, you know, get you to the finish. So one of my questions about your book is mm-hmm. it was published in 2018, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. What made you decide to write the book now and, and to share your story now? You know, I, it's been something people constantly ask me, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. Well, a literary agent contacted me and they suggested too that I write a book. And I was like, yeah, I've been, you know, wanting to. And I, I wanted to, to be more like stories, like about my adventure. But then the more I started talking to them, they're like, it should be, you know, about your life too, you know, with using your story. So 
since I don't have time to sit around to write, I hired a writer and he had, so Dan, the guy that helped me, he actually came out and we spent like two days together. He was following me writing a story for, uh, this online magazine about me. And so we hung out and um, my dog was running his first 50 K my little wiener dog, uh, Truman. And so he was out at this hundred mile race. I was running in hundred miles. And then my dog, I was going to run the last 50 K with me and he was in the official race. So we, we hung out and spent a lot of time together. And so when it came time to use hire a writer, cause they're like, well, we have a writer that you can, you know, use. And I was like, ah, uh, no, he's already done all his research with on me. So it was great using him. So I would, how we wrote it is I'd go out on these long runs and record my stories. Wow. So, yeah. I know. That's, ama- that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were like, how did you sit down? I'm like, are you kidding? I can't sit still. I'm so hyper. So we just dug deep and he would just like, tell me like, you really need to, you know, m- you have to, when you're telling your story, you have to really tell your story, not just like answer questions. Like you're telling your story. So it took a lot of work between me and him to get it. And, you know, once we got going, it worked out really well. So yeah, it was just basically, I was out running and I was, I think I was training for Badwater at the time. So I was like writing my book talking about, you know, why I'm training for Badwater. I'm writing this, my story. And then I would sit at home and, you know, you know, voice record, you know, portions of it. So, and we went back and forth like that. So that's how we wrote it. Yeah. Written on the run. I mean, that that's yeah. like the, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, and that's going to be challenging it. too, because like <laughs> your was. mind, your mind while running yeah. and moving around, I mean, it, it can go in so many different directions. So yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that, that, but that took a lot of work, but I mean, that's, what what it yeah. what it produced you know phenomenal it, yeah i mean i'd be driving too and recording and yeah. sitting at home and recording but i was doing it all the time so it was a constant daily thing you know like writing each chapter you know like going through each chapter so <laughs> is there any future um plans or ideas from you on i mean you're gonna keep you're gonna keep running i i can see of you course. running it until you can't <laughs> run anymore <laughs> exactly um and i see you still engaging with people obviously with with your story is there any other yeah. plans that you have for you know this in the recovery or in the addiction world of doing some love yeah i would love to do more speaking now we're back you know away from the covid and all of that but one of my goals have always been to like talk to women that are incarcerated you know talk with them and i've had other people come to me, email that work, you know, in facilities like that, that, you know, are doing like runs with them. Like they're doing like 10 Ks, half marathons. And there was a point last year where there was a couple of people that contacted me and we were going to try to do something where I could come out, you know, across the state in various locations to speak with the women that were, you know, training for, you know, 10 K half marathon that were incarcerated, but it just didn't pan out because of COVID. So something like that, I would love to. And there's actually a judge that bought a bunch of my books back east and he has like his drug diversion people. They all have to read my book. <laughs> which, That's so, which awesome. Is great. Yeah. yeah. This judge. So he's really cool. He's like bought all, multiple copies and he's like, it's just 
phenomenal. He goes, you know, what you've done. And, you know, if I want to give these people a second chance, you know, he's like, if you could do it, other people can do it and they need to know that they can do it kind of thing. So I would love to do more of like that. And, and I want to travel a bit more. So, you know, my book is out in German now and they invited me to Germany, but because of last year, when it came out, it was all during COVID. So next year I'll be traveling there, but yeah, I definitely want to speak more. You know, we did this run across the U S for mental health awareness and addiction. And that was pretty cool. So we, you know, we spoke at the mental health of America conference. When we finished, we basically finished and then we're on the panel, but I would love, love to do more of that. You know, it's like people, more people that are going into recovery need to know that exercising, eating healthy, you know, things like that. And I, when I first got clean and sober, you did, they didn't focus on anything else. It was less like you go to your meetings and you talk and, you know, but it's, all such a combined thing. You got to, you know, eat healthy. You got to exercise, you know, cause that all of that, once you stop doing your drugs, it's like, you need to, you know, sugar is an addiction. I mean, it's like you could start eating processed mm-hmm. stuff. That's not good for you. You need to eat clean. You're cleaning your body. So, you know, just learning how to, to eat clean will mentally help you instead of eating crappy food. Cause that screws up your mental attitude and, you know, just feeling like crap. Once you get off of drugs or alcohol, you just need to get, you know, learn to get a relearn how to live basically. <laughs> so I guess, you know, just eating healthy and, and finding some sort of balance and exercise, you know, that I think it should be all part of recovery, you know, not just, going to therapy and counseling and going to AA and NA, it's like, you need to do other stuff too. You know, it's, and then, and I think more and more like these inpatient programs are having stuff like that. It's like, there's more of a structure, like, you know, exercise and eating and, you know, so. Yeah. I know the, uh, I've, I've done plenty of work with incarcerated individuals. Um, I've worked in treatment programs where they were incarcerated and then came out to us. And they currently where I work too, we have a, a program where part of our therapists go and they do uh, therapy sessions for people who are currently incarcerated. And you would be amazing to get involved with that. I can tell you that would be a, a great thing if you could. I know, I really could, want to. Yeah, you would. I think they would be so open to you and so welcome to you with that. Um, I hope a lot of places that give you that chance, or if, if you attempt to reach out, I hope they really give you that chance. Cause I think you would be phenomenal. Yeah. I would love something like, like that, drug, like a drug diversion type thing where they're going, you know, like the, the judge that I mentioned. So if I can get into something like that, I would love it. You know, just getting people like right where they, you know, they're willing to listen and they want to get help, you know? So hopefully that I'll, that'll be my next step in life. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing I want to end with is I just want to uh, read a short part from the, the acknowledgement part in your book, I think has a phenomenal message. And I, and I kind of want to end on this okay. with, it says, I'm excited to inspire all of you to push past what you think is actually possible. You don't have to be a runner to be inspired. You just have to want to get out and do better in life. And 
I, I really like that because I think with the addiction, it wants you to believe that a lot of things aren't possible. And, and it wants you to believe that you can't do anything without the addiction, you know, that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people when they are inactive using or when they are first getting sober, they, they really truly struggle to see that life without it and the possibilities of life without having that substance or that behavior to fall back on to numb and escape like that we've talked about. So I really, really love that end message you give just really encourage people to believe that, you know, your story is a prime example of that recovery and embarking on that is it's scary. It is possible. Scary. And it, it is possible. If I can do it, anybody can do it. You just have to be willing to let that go and you will have such a better life. I always try to tell people there is such a different life out there that you are meant to have, you know, and it's like, we're all worth it. You know, we're worth living and we're worth being sober and living in a clean mind and thinking correctly and not be in a haze. You know, it's like, we're only here once. So we got to, we got to make the best of it. Yeah. That's amazing. So you know, listeners, you got to check out her book, Reborn on the Run, My Journey from Addiction to Ultra Marathons. It, it's great. It's, it's a phenomenal read. And I, I really want to thank you for joining the podcast because I know you are, it's, you are all over the place. You're, you're, <laughs> I but, am literally. <laughs> but, but the amazing thing is, is, is what I want people to, to hear too, is that look at the time you do make for this stuff. Like you interact yeah, with it's people. You, it is. And it's, it's not it's easy really to important. do. I want to help people and I want people to, you know, just by listening to b- believe they can, they can have a different life and believe that they can do it. Cause I believe in them. I believe in everybody out there. You can have a better life. Yeah. You can make it happen. So that's, that's incredible. I can't, I can't wait to see what, what stuff you have coming up and, and the other things that you get into. Cause I think there's just still so much potential there is. <laughs> people to help. And um, I, I, I just don't see you giving up on this stuff with, with what I've no. seen with your running and all that worrying about you giving up is not something that nope. it comes to mind. So <laughs> I know nope. those are things that you can do. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what you have to offer um, coming you. up. So nice. read, read your book, um, follow her on social media because she does interact with people and, and, and all the time. And stuff and, and post <laughs> stuff there. So if you have questions for her and want to know more, yep. she, she interacts. It's, it's, it's how I got to reach out to you. Yep. And you <laughs> Reach out to me. So I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining and everything you shared with oh, thank us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So check out her book, uh, follow her along. And as always, thanks for listening and hope you learned something.